Well, are you guys ready to get in the Word? we got a new series I want to start today. This has been something that's been exploding in my heart. In this series, we're going to learn a lot about our identity. And today we're going to go back to the very beginning. But you need to know a big principle in the Bible as you go into your future that God is your sustainer. He's the one who sustains you. He's your strength, right? He's your provider in every way. God never calls you to do anything for yourself or by yourself. He, does, he wants you to do everything with him. See, so we're going to go back to the beginning and really look at this and get this very solidified in your life. You have to understand that God is your defender, right? He's the one who's to carry your burdens. He's the one who's to heal your body. He's the one that's going to be your provider. All of these things, he is your everything. You are in Christ. So let's go back and let's look at this. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll launch off here. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Hallelujah. You guys ready? I I believe that I'm going to be a better preacher this year than I've ever been. You know, my goal is to, to, to be better every, every service because I'm growing, right? Never forget what eternal life is. Eternal life is not just going to heaven. No, eternal life is knowing him. And everything in your life flows out of knowing him. And get ready because, you know, I have, been, I have talked to the Lord about this for years. I am so ready to pastor in revival right? We are so ready for revival, and I believe we're here. So get ready. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it says here in verse 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So you need to know that you and I were born again by God's seed. God's incorruptible seed, the word of God. You and I were walking through life and we heard the gospel message. And when, that, when we heard it, we knew that there was a man who came from heaven, the son of God, who took upon himself flesh and lived in a part of the country that we've never been in a time that we never lived. I've never met him face to face. But when I heard God's word, faith came and I was fully persuaded that this son of God took my place, died for my sins. His father rose him from the dead and he's now seated in heaven. I just, I was fully persuaded of that. I was born again by the incorruptible word. I made a decision when, I, when, I, when that went off in me, I made a decision to embrace Christ and I gave him my life and I was born again. I, I proclaimed with my mouth, Jesus, you are not only Lord of all, but you are my Lord. And he came into me. 
He took out the spirit man that was dead and separated from him. He put a brand new spirit in me and I became his child. Isn't that amazing? So I was born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. This is huge, right? Remember, if you go to the parable of the sower, the word of God is very clear that the word of God is like a seed, right? Well, we were born again. In other words, a human, when we have children, those children are born of their father's seed, their earthly father's seed, we are born again of our heavenly father's seed. You are not some stepchild that's far removed from God. You were created by him, by his seed. You were born again. You are, here's your lineage. God the father, you. That, that's your lineage, your true lineage. Now you are a spirit just like your father. Now we're not God, but we're his kids, right? And there's a lot of benefits to being his kids. One of those benefits is he will sustain us. He'll protect us. He will provide for us. He will bring increase in our life. We're, not, we're no longer governed by the rules of the world system. We're governed by the rules of the kingdom of God, right? So we now, because we have his spirit in us, see the Holy Spirit then takes up residency in me forever. Wow, is that good news? So as we look at this, this is how we got born again, by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Which means we didn't get born again because we were so good. We didn't get born again because of our behavior. Well, I just did so many good things. I got the gold star and, you know, he said, okay, you could be my kid. No. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. We want to lay this out because we're going to get into some things that you have to go all the way back to the foundation you need to realize as you're sitting here today, you are his. It's amazing. The Bible says you're one spirit with God. And your mind just goes, right? The Bible says some incredible things about you. Don't think that there's anything you'll ever face in the world that's greater than who's on the inside of you. And to mess with you, they got to go through him, and they can't go through him. Right? This is really good news. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. In other words, salvation is the initial work of grace in your life. Obtaining salvation, being born again. It's the initial work of grace. What is grace? It is God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. The God of heaven, Jesus, the creator of all things, stepped out of eternity, took upon himself flesh, and lived as a man, and he died for our sins in our place. He was the Lamb of God 
who took away the sin of the whole world. And now, so in other words, God by his grace gave us all of this. We have to receive through faith what he's given us by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. What a healing message that is. Because part of that word saved means healed, means whole. For by grace are you healed through faith and that not of yourselves. So many people think, oh man, it's all up to me. No, no, God's provided it. This is all about Jesus. So let's keep going with this. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then now look at what it says in verse 3, another piece of this puzzle. It says, for we are his, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wow. We are his workmanship, created in Christ. So you were born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You actually were created in Christ. Now we learn, we learn later on what it means to be in Christ is his spirit dwells in you. Right? When he made you brand new, when you received him and got born again, the Holy Spirit of God came into your spirit to take up eternal residency in your spirit. Nothing can separate you from, from his love or his presence because he's in you. Right? He'll always be in you. That's amazing. Then, according to Romans 5 5, what did he do? He shed the love of God abroad in your heart. So now we have an ability that the world does not have. We can love unconditionally. I can love expecting nothing in return and needing nothing in return. So, so I'm able to love on every level, I'm able to do good to those that despitefully use me. Right? I'm able to forgive those that have hurt me. And that love is like the fuel that fuels my faith because I walk. The, the number one revelation I'll always walk in as a, as a Christian is love. And it's not that I love God. No, no. The revelation is that He loves me. And because He loved me first, now I'm able to love Him and love others. Do you, do you get that? See, I had no ability to love people unconditionally until I got a revelation that he loved me and I gave him my life. And then it, may, it changed the whole game. Now I no longer, I'm finally free from this law of sin and death. What is it? Selfishness and self-centeredness. Being selfish, being self-centered leads you to a life that is on such a low level, it's on the satanic level. Always being concerned about you and my, me and myself and what, what, what's in it for me. There's no life in that. That's not how God lives. It's not how he wants you to live. He wants you to be free, free to live, 
for him, live for others, prefer others, and watch as you sow into others how he harvests into your life. It's amazing. It's an amazing way to live. Were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works? So now jump over to Colossians chapter 3, and let's look at this. Colossians chapter 3. Kind of laying a foundation. We're going to look at verse 1. And we're going to jump down to where we really see verse 3 is what I really want to get to. It says in verse 1, if, the, if you then be risen with Christ, seek, and this word seek in the Greek means seek with all your heart those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So if you be risen with Christ, well, Romans tells you as a child of God, you were crucified with Christ. You were identified with him in his crucifixion and his resurrection. Romans tells us that we were buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life. So now it says, if you be risen with Christ, seek with all your heart the things that are above. In other words, don't seek things for yourself. Don't put a big impact and a big focus on seeking things in the earth. No, no, the Bible says seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and God will add everything to you. As a child of God, literally, the Bible says this, he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So in other words, as a child of God, you'll never be able to pray and ask God to do something for you that he has not already done. All the money, all the healing, all the provision, all the peace, all the joy, everything that you ever need has already been provided by his grace through Christ. And now it's a matter of us receiving it. Well, this is how you receive it. You seek with all your heart the things that are above. And as you're sitting there, just think of times when you've had your focus on yourself and what that's produced in your life. And everybody said, oh me, right? It, there's no life in it. Why? Because eternal life, it just doesn't work that way. It's knowing God. So it goes on to say, set. Now this Greek word means to deliberately set. Set your affection on things above. This Greek word affection means set your thoughts and set your mind on things above. That tells me that my mind, see, my mind is the battlefield. Satan is going to be throwing thoughts. The world system, just the way it operates, will be throwing thoughts into my mind to try to get me to not deliberately set my mind and my thought life on him, on things above. But Colossians is saying, no, you have to be deliberate about this. Set your mind and your thoughts on things above and not on things on the earth. Why do we do this? Verse 3, and this is what I want you to see. 
For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So you were born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You were created in Christ. All this came to you by his grace, right? And now we see that our life is literally hid with Christ in God. We're building a case from the word of God so that you see that you are in him. You're sustained by him. Everything is him. So now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17. I love this scripture. You guys doing okay? I would encourage you, get, get a 2021 notepad and start taking notes. You'll get a lot more. I would encourage you to listen to these messages more than once. To be honest with you, the more you listen to them, the better I preach. <laughs> Actually, it has nothing to do with my preaching. The more you listen to them, the more of the word you'll see. The more it'll get in you. Because this is what you do with this. It equips you to go out and make disciples. To help people. A lot of believers don't know this stuff. They don't hear this stuff and they need to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... My life is hid in Christ, with Christ, in God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This, means, this Greek word means an original form. Do you know there's never been one like you? There never will be another one like you. You are completely unique. Who are you like? You're like your father. You, he, he gave you, he, he literally gave you a piece of him. It's who you are. Don't ever let the world tell you that you're just, just this general, I'm just Tony. No, no, no. You're a child of God. You're down on this earth to do something remarkable. You're one of a kind. Created in Christ Jesus. So it says here, you're a new creature. This, this word creature also means a new species. One that has never existed before. It says old things are passed away. What was passed away? You know, if you had dark hair when you got saved, before you got saved, you'll have dark hair after you get saved. Right? You didn't change. Your outlook on the outside didn't change. Now I will say this. There's an inner beauty that causes your countenance to change. But what happened in salvation is you received a new spirit. But your body, everything else stayed the same. But it says here, old things are passed away. What was passed away? The old sin nature. 
you no longer in your spirit you have no sin nature now the mind of your unrenewed flesh you still have in this flesh you still have that sin nature now when we get to heaven and we see jesus we'll be given a glorified body that won't have that anymore boy won't that be a nice day never having your flesh pull on you right but your spirit the sin nature has been is gone you don't have a sin nature in your spirit it says here behold all things are become new new where new on the inside so see this is the holy spirit's job the holy spirit's job on the inside of you when you receive the baptism in the holy spirit and he comes upon you his job can be summed up in this he is to pull on the outside who you are on the inside he wants to show who you are on the inside he wants to show that on the outside when people see that you know who they will see is jesus that's who they will see jesus said philip why are you asking me to see the father if you've seen me philip you've seen the father jesus said in the same way that my father called me now i'm calling you so we are to be in the earth and we're to say to people listen if you want to know how jesus is look at me follow me as i'm following christ my life is to be an expression on the outside a manifestation of jesus this is why you'll see in this last great move of god it's not going to be about an individual a man or a woman it's all going to be about him because when we walk literally what is seen is the glory of god right the presence of god which is the glory of god it is to flow out of our lives right second corinthians 2 14 my father always causes me to triumph and he always causes me to leave a fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place it's that fragrance that we leave of jesus so so this is huge you're brand new today now i'm telling you this is a big this is a big time to draw a line in the sand at the beginning of this year and make some changes in your life and make some adjustments in your life go deeper with him get over yourself lay some things down you know what do they say in the natural the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting to get a different result right we don't want to do that this is why the foundation of your life god will plant you in a local body he desires that you meditate in his word day and night Num the number one step number one though to to even go there is you have to decide to put him first but he is your life he is your life and there's great benefits to walking with him so now let's run over to romans chapter 8 in verse 9 let's keep looking at this we're laying a foundation romans chapter 8 in verse 9 hallelujah romans 8 is the victory chapter verse 9 it says here but you are not in the flesh 
but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So how do you know that you're in the spirit? How do you know that you're in Christ? Not by your behavior, but is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? If you go down to verse 16, it says that the Spirit himself will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So this is, this is to be a revelation that we walk in all the time, right? So now we see that we were born again of God's incorruptible word. We were created in Christ Jesus. My life is hid with Christ in God. So now go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's transition. So how do I walk this out? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. This is a big, big hurdle for people. To walk at rest You have to learn how to be strong in the Lord. So this great book of Ephesians, this great letter that is filled with all this doctrine, Paul says at the end of it, in verse 10, he's closing it up and he says, now finally, my brethren, he's basically in the Greek, now to the most important thing that I'm going to tell you, you be strong in the Lord. Right? Well, that's natural because guess where you are? You're in the Lord. So see, this is why when you try to overcome sin habits and, and, and all this junk that the world tries to put on you, when you try to overcome it in your own strength, it doesn't work because your strength is in Christ. So he's saying, be strong in the Lord and be strong in the power of his might. You know, I would love to tell you that 2021, I know it's going to be a glorious year in the church. I would love to tell you that it's just going to be all flowers and roses. The masks are going to go away and the virus is going to go away and Satan is just going to take a break and just, it's just going to be wonderful. But guess what? No, no, no. There's going to, let me prophesy. The stream is going to beat vehemently against your house. There will be floods. There will be fire. There will be all kinds of junk. And to that, I would tell you, none of it is to even be a blip on your radar. It is not to, not only will it not stop you, many times when the enemy comes against you, it accelerates things. So so be excited about that. If you want a carefree life, you can have that in Christ. And in Christ, you have a carefree life while all hell is breaking loose around you. If you want no cares all around you, you're going to have to leave the planet. And we don't want to do that, right? There's too many people down here that don't know the Lord, right? And, and so there, we are surrounded by people that do not know. But God is so faithful 
He is so faithful. He's like, listen, you be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This, this word might means his ability. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, they that know their God shall be strong. This word strong means courageous enough to seize hold of things and will do exploits. What that word means, exploits, means that they will do things beyond their ability. In order to walk with God this year, you're going to have to do things according to his ability. You're going to have to be secure, be strong in him. See, this is why in Acts 17, 28, what does it say? It says, for in him I live and I move and I have my being. Everything in my life is Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of my faith. He's my peace. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's the one who's given me life. He's my sustainer. So run over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So let's, let's look at what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Hallelujah. Let me just apologize in advance if I just run out of here. I'm telling you, this is more exciting. This is more exciting than what Kansas City did to the Vikings the other day. No offense, Mark, Cheryl. Remember, you love me, brother. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. Be strong in the Lord. This is Paul talking to a young pastor. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So now we see that strength is in the Lord. And now we're to be, we, we go, it's like we're in a, a spiritual microscope. Now we're going a little deeper. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, this, why, this is why to be carnally minded is death. Because the minute you get your eyes off of him, it can do nothing but produce death. So Satan will try to get you so bogged down in life. Man, we have, you could take your whole office anywhere you go. You know, I have so many ministers and stuff. Man, they're all over Facebook. I don't have time for it. I mean, I'm going to be 59 years old. And, and I got to tell you, I feel like I'm just getting started. I don't have time to care that somebody's eating a Big Mac at McDonald's. Right? I just, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm really happy for the lady that bought a new blouse at Von Maurer, but I don't have time. Right? I mean, in heaven, maybe I'll have time. I don't know. I kind of have a feeling that he's got a purpose for us that's pretty big in eternity. Right? I mean, I think it's wonderful, all these things that happen to people's lives, but I don't have time. One time I was asked uh, by a minister friend of mine, he's like, so what do you read? 
And I'm like, what do you mean, what do I read? He's like, well, what, what kind of books do you read? And I'm like, I read the Bible and books about the Bible. He goes, yeah, 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 I know that. But what, like, what do you read to balance your life? I, I, I mean, I was in his office and I'm like, I read the Bible and I read books about the Bible. As a matter of fact, if I read a book and it's not full of scriptures, I throw it out. I never make it through the first chapter. I might, well, maybe the second chapter. And he's like, man, he goes, you better be careful. You'll get off balance. And I told him, I'm like, listen, he's a great friend. I'm like, listen, I don't have time. Because the more I know of God, the more life it brings me. The more effective I am at what he's called me to do. I don't have time for all this stuff. Right? And and the reason why I say I don't have time, it's not because I'm stressed. It's this is so good. Everything else just is like, ugh. Now, I will read a biography. I like to read about revivals. I think I've read about everything about every revival I could ever find. I devour that stuff because I love the move of God. You know, I love waves because it's the move of God. When I see a wave, I see the move of God. So I'll come when I open my phone. You know, when I click on it, it's got a wave. My son found me a really cool picture of a wave. You walk in my office and I've got a wave on the wall. I've got a glass sculpture of a wave. I'm really wanting to go to the Pacific Ocean and sit in front of waves right now. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is huge. So now let's look at this a little bit more. How can you do that? Go to Romans chapter 5 in verse 2. Romans chapter 5 in verse 2. Hallelujah. We're about ready to get into the first scripture that I've wanted to get into. So we've almost made it through the introduction. What are you guys laughing at, right? So Romans chapter 5, let, let, me, let me just start in verse 1 to read it in context. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? Do you know God's not mad at you today? You know, God's not standing up there in heaven just waiting. Man, you get out of line, I'm going to slap you with something. I'm going I'm to tell Satan, hey, hey, Satan, have you considered Tony? Right? You, you should go maybe mess with his life a little bit. No, no, God doesn't do that. At all, ever. That's all made up by religion. It's not in the Bible. But look at what verse 2 says here of chapter 5. By whom also we have access by faith into what? This grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we're to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? We have access into the grace through faith. In other words, we've got to believe his word. 
And as we do that, as we see as we're strong in the Lord, what will it produce? It'll cause us to stand and rejoice in the hope, that's future, of the glory of God. When you are living for yourself, what the reason why you're not happy, you could see it all over your countenance. All of a sudden, wherever you are, you know, things are just different and, and I'm, just, I'm just not happy. And you have inner turmoil. It's because your future, you, you don't see the future that God has for you. That first prayer of supplication, Ephesians chapter one, Paul was like, listen, Father, I pray that you would literally Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you so that the eyes of their spirit would be enlightened so that they would know the hope of their calling, God's specific future for them. This is exactly what this is saying here. The entering by faith into this grace is literally believing the word of God in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this circumstance, I declare I'm already victorious in it. I'm already healed. Sickness, you have to leave my body in Jesus' name. It is written, it is written, it is written. What am I doing? I'm literally accessing the grace of God by the faith of God. And what does it cause me to do? It causes me to stand fixed and immovable and rejoice. Not because I have what it, not because I can see what I, what I'm to walk in. No, I'm rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. Because hope for me is not, it's not like I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket and I sure hope I win. No, no, it doesn't mean maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, Bible hope is a joyous, confident expectation. If my God said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. So I'm strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and I access the grace in Christ, which is where I'm at, I access it by faith and it causes me to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you see that? If I said that about 20 more times, you'd really get a revelation of that. Uh, It's just, this has to grow in us. So now, we've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We have been created in Christ Jesus Isn't that amazing? Now we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How how do we do that? Well, we're strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we access the grace that is in Christ by faith, which comes only one way from hearing his word. So now you ready for the intro scripture? Let's go to Psalm 55, verse 22. The men got a little glimpse of this yesterday. But we're going to go deep into this. The word is huge when it comes to this. This is how. How are you to be strong 
in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? How are you to be strong in the Lord? How are you to be able to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God? How do you walk all this out? You're going to have to travel light. So let's look at this. Psalm 55, verse 22. It says, cast thy burden on the Lord and he might decide to sustain you. No. It says, and he shall sustain you. And then he finishes it up. He shall almost never? No, no. He shall never suffer. That means allow the righteous to be moved. I'm telling you, God's will for your life is that you are never moved. You can't, and show me one example where the, where the enemy ever moved Jesus. Ever. Even in the crucifixion, he wasn't moved. I mean, it's amazing. I'm telling you, the, the rains are going to come. The floods are going to come. You're going to walk through the rivers. You're going to walk through the fire. You're going to face the lion. You're going to face the bear. You're going to face Goliath. And to that we say, who cares? Because I'm in Christ. So the battle's not mine, it's his. The victory is mine. The triumph is mine. And the Bible says, when I walk through the waters, they'll never overtake me. When I go through the rivers, they won't overtake me. When I walk through the fire, the fire won't even kindle upon me. You won't even smell like smoke when you come out of that battle. In other words, God has freedom. The place of the righteous is a place where you are immovable. You see that? So let's break this down a little bit. Cast. The word cast literally means to get rid of this thing that is hindering you. It's, 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 it, it literally means to throw. You cast it away. We see the New Testament version of it by casting your care on the Lord. You roll it over. You get it off you. You get rid of it. Cast your what? Your burden. Your burden upon the Lord. This word burden it literally denotes something that has been given to you. In other words, as you walk through life, have you had any opportunities this week where something or someone or a circumstance or a symptom was trying to give you a burden? My body's hurting. You're, you're trying to be given that. You're in lack. You're not happy. You've been hurt. Satan wants to turn that into a burden that you carry. And God is saying, don't carry any burdens. Do you know your physical body is an amazing thing? But there's one thing it can't handle, and that is stress. We were not created to carry anything. That is not, see, we're one with Christ, we're in Christ, but it's his job to carry everything. It's not our job to carry anything. Cast your burden, 
It's, it's something that troubles you, something that weighs you down, something that bothers you. Have you ever had something bother you? When you go to sleep, it's just bothering you. You're walking. And, and have you ever noticed when something's bothering you, you are very sensitive to kind of lash out against the people that are closest to you. That, that if it's bothering you, it creates inner turmoil. And, and, and now, all of a sudden, inner turmoil will cause interpersonal conflict. Right? All of a sudden, man, you're just ticked. It's not really your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband or whatever. It's, it's not really that it's, it's you. God wants you to be free from all inner turmoil. To be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you have to live with a clear conscience. If you're all about your own way, it's got to be my way, you will be so dull spiritually that you won't ever be able to be, have a clear conscience. You got to, as the Lord told me years ago, you just got to get over yourself. See, everybody's looking spiritually they're looking for a feeling. Boy, if I feel good about my church, it's where I'm supposed to be. But if I ever don't feel good about my church, then I need to go somewhere else. And, and you know, if I feel good about my job, then, then that's great. But if I ever don't feel good about my job, I need to go somewhere else. And Satan sits there and smiles and goes, oh man, I have been doing this for a long time. I can get you to not feel good about something. And God's over here saying, time out. Why you feel good about something, why you have joy, why you have peace, it's not up to your environment. It's up to what's one inch under your mouth or under your nose. You'll have joy by the answer of your mouth. Right? You'll have access into the very ability of God, which causes you to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How? By faith, by believing his word in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. You are the one that determines where you are. Right? I don't ask myself how I feel, I tell myself how I feel. Right? My wife, man, is gorgeous. I mean, just, I, 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 I creep on her when she's sleeping. I'm looking at her going, you are so beautiful. Why do I do that? Has there ever been a day that I haven't told you that you're beautiful, that I love you? I, I say that all the time. Why do I say that all the time? Because that comes out of my spirit. And that, that's why I have that. As a pastor, so many pastors have very little staying power and they've got to always go someplace else and do something else because a few people in their church don't, aren't happy with them and now God start, God's talking to me, I need to leave. No, no, brother, God's not talking to, me, talking to you about it. Satan's been talking to you and now you're talking wrong things and that's what's propelling all this so this is huge you have to cast your burden on the lord and it says that he shall sustain you 
That means he will keep you. He will maintain you. He will guide you. In other words, if you don't cast your burden on the Lord, he can't guide you. Do you see that? Well, I just need to know what I'm supposed to do. You've got to cast all this junk off. Because you can't see clear. Your emotions will get twisted and they'll start trying. Your emotions and feelings will try to lead you and they're not to lead you. The Spirit of God is to lead you. Satan wants to separate you from everybody in that, that is anyone who could produce life in your life. He wants to separate you from them. Everyone. He, he wants you alone. That's where he wants you. And, and there's no life in this. This word sustain means that God wants to nourish you. He wants to give you provision. He wants to bear you. Right? He wants to hold you within himself. See, how do I walk in Christ? How do I walk it out? I'm already in Christ, but how do I walk that out? I need him to hold me within him. How does he do that? By I cast my burden on the Lord. Anytime something hits my mind, if it's a symptom in my body, if it's finances, if it's people, any situation, I just roll that care over on the Lord. Father, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I know All I do know is I'm not supposed to carry this. So here, because here's the rule of thumb with this, with cares, with burdens. If you're carrying it, God can't work on it. The reason why is he won't ever violate your will. And he would have to violate your will to pull it out of your hand in order to work on it. Nope, he's saying you've got to give it to him. Isn't, but isn't that good news? He's saying, hey, Tony, the mess that you've made, the, the 800 stupid things you've done that have now blown into a Mount Everest of a mess, give it to me. Let him handle that. And you focus on following him because he's got a glorious future for you. Why am I teaching this? During this times, guys, we don't know what we're going to face before the Lord comes back for his church. But we know this, we're not going to be moved by it. We're not going to decrease. We're not going to shrink back. Nobody's going to take our lives. Right? Nobody's going to take my life. I'll lay it down if that's God's will for my life, but I'll never, I'm not leaving this planet early. No circumstance, no situation, no anything is going to stop me. Why? Because I'm in Christ. And he said, as I was with Moses, Tony, so will I be with you. I'll never leave you, fail you, I'll never forsake you. No man will be able to stop you from doing what I've called you to do in the earth. No man. That's good news, isn't it? Because there's some crazy stuff out there. It says he will never allow the righteous to be moved. This word moved in the Hebrew language means to be shaken. To slip. He'll never allow you to fall. He will never allow you to be removed. And here's the last part of this word. 
he will never allow you to be carried out of course. In other words, nothing can get you off your path except you. Isn't that good news? This is huge. So we see another picture of this in Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah as we're kind of closing this down. Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54 and verse 14. It says this, it says, In righteousness you shall be established. This means fixed and immovable. In righteousness. Sounds a lot like Psalm 55, 22, that God never allows the righteous to be moved. Isn't that good news? It says, it goes on to say in verse 14, you shall be far from oppression. You'll be far from anything exercising hard control over you. Why? Because you will not fear and from terror it shall not come near you. Now if you jump down to verse 17, it says no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn the tongue. And then it finishes up by saying, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Isaiah was writing this to Old Testament people who were servants of God. Reading this verse under the light of New Testament truth, you'd have to read it, this is the heritage of the children of God, because you're a child of God, you're not a servant. And it says, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. See, why do we have this ability for God to care for us and sustain us? Why are we immovable in every situation? Because he made us his righteousness. You're righteous. You're a righteous child of God. So let me leave you with this. Go to Luke chapter 6 and we'll close with this verse. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6 in verse 46. This gives us a picture of how we do all of this. And here's the answer. You must be a doer of the word. You have to. Jesus starts out in verse 46 and he says, listen, why do you guys call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do the things which I say? Do you know how God lo knows you love him? He doesn't know you love him by your actions. He knows or by just your words or your feelings. God says, no, I know that you love me if you do what I say. Right? So, so then he goes on and he's going to explain this. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'm going to show you to whom he's like. He's like a man which built a house and he digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, notice not if, when the flood arose, it beat, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it because it was founded on a rock. 
nothing that comes against you can shake you. Isn't that good news? And, and literally, the reason why is because you've made a choice. You've literally bowed to the lordship of Jesus Christ and you've been made new and now you're meditating in the word. You're putting the word first place. You present your body a living holy sacrifice. You renew your mind with the word of God. And as you meditate in the word, it'll take you from being a hearer to being a doer of the word. And now when you're a doer, you're like a man who when he was building a house, he dug deep and his whole foundation of his house or his life was founded on the rock. And when all these things came against him, it could not in any way shake the house. The, the windows of your life are not even to rattle in the wind. Nothing, nothing shakes me. He's my protector. He's my provider. He is my inaccessible place of refuge. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Right? Psalm 91, go home and read that. That is a picture of God sustaining you. In this secret place, this is the secret place. A thousand can fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near me. Pestilence cannot attach itself to me. This is why we've got to make this decision this year. God is our protector. He's our provider. You know, I mean, we're entering, man, probably the, could be the most important week in the history of the United States. But I've got to tell you, my future is in him. And I'm going to increase. And I'm going to yield all my fruit in my season. And, I, and everything I put my hand to in this earth will be brought to maturity. Why? Because I've made a decision. I'm going to delight in the word of God, and in his word, I'm going to meditate day and night. So I'm going to be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. I'll have more than enough provision coming from the inside. I'll never have to look at the outside for provision. I'll never look to another man or a job or an investment. I won't look to that. I look to him. He is my everything. And guess what? That will make me be fresh. My leaf will never wither. That's what God wants for your life and for my life. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and will lead you every step of the way on how to get there. Amen?